Well, good morning again. <laughs> we're missing, uh, I know we're missing a few members, but they did a wonderful job uh, laying up here with their baby, uh, with Amelia and Corey and Jen. They did a wonderful job in worship. It's always nice hearing them uh, singing. And it's always great to see kids just participating, even if they're just standing here, right? <laughs> Not old enough yet to, earlier during practice, uh, Amelia was like sitting there while her mom was singing and had her hands up in the air. It looked really cute. It's like she was worshiping with her, and I'm sure she was. Well, we're going to continue on a series of sermons that we started a few weeks ago called Limitless. And today we're going to be looking upon the limitless, the unlimited forgiveness of God. By that that very phrase, everyone in this place should have said, Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 86. It doesn't take long if you read the Old Testament to see that God wants us to follow him. He does everything he can to get us to follow him. He, gets, he does, gives us opportunity after opportunity for us to follow him. And yet we find in the Old Testament, the story is repeated over and over and over again, where we see the men and women of God come to him, they live for him, he, he blesses them, and then they turn their eyes from him, and they focus on something else, and they find themselves away from the forgiving love of God. This is repeated over and over and over again in, in Scripture. If you read the story of the Israelites when they're freed from Pharaoh and they're walking through the desert and God has blessed them, not only has God blessed them and freed them from slavery, but now God has given them an opportunity to live out this dream that God has given him a free land and God has not only freed them, but he's parted the Red Sea. They part, they go through the Red Sea. The Pharaoh and his armies are crushed. And we find not too long after that, the Israelite people complaining because they don't get meat. They're living off the manna that's falling from heaven. And they don't like that. They want to have meat and vegetables and those types of things, and they complain, and we find them turning from God. David is a great example of a man who is known as the man after God's own heart, yet we also find David who, with idle time on his hand, is sitting on top of the roof of his palace, and he's looking out over, and he sees something that he wants. That person or that thing happens to be a person by the name of Bathsheba. God allows David to fall to his limit, his, his sin, honestly, and he has a relationship with her. They end up having, uh, she ends up getting pregnant to cover up his sin. He has Bathsheba's husband killed in battle. Over and over and over again, we find stories like this of the need of forgiveness. It isn't very long. Heck, if you were honest with yourself, you would see that you and all of us in this room are perfect examples of needing forgiveness. 
We all need forgiveness. We all need God to come and forgive us of the heart and the sin that's inside of our life. It is something that God offers to us freely, and that is something that, again, we should all rejoice in. There are so many verses that talk about the grace and forgiveness of God that it's impossible to fit them in one sermon. I will try, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, We're only going to touch on a few of them, but there are literally hundreds of verses that talk about God's forgiveness and how we are to forgive not only or ask for forgiveness from God, but then also to seek forgiveness for others. When someone has wronged us, we are called to go and forgive them. God is the God of forgiveness, and it is limitless to us. But he calls us not only to receive the limitless forgiveness of God, but he also calls us to freely give limitless forgiveness to others as well. And there's also a process involved here when we seek God's forgiveness that I think Scripture is very clear that we're going to take a look at today. So before we go any further, let's just pause and pray and ask the Lord to be with us, to guide us as we walk down this path of what it means to live for a God who freely gives forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you have done and what you are doing in our midst. We thank you for the joys of life that you have given to all of us. But we come here today understanding and studying what it means to seek your forgiveness, Father. Lord, we are sinners. And yet while we are still sinners, you died on the cross for us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to see what it means to not only accept the forgiveness that you have for us, but what it means to freely give that to others as well. Help us today, Lord. Remove the hindrances from our mind and our eyes and our ears so that we can hear from you to know what you're doing and what you're saying. Holy Spirit, in your wisdom, come and bring to us the understanding of these scriptures and these things that you would want us to learn today. We glorify you, we honor you, we praise you. And Lord, I pray that my words would not be my own, but they would truly be your words today. And that again, we can share the glories and the honor and the praise that you deserve today during our time together. We give you the glory in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles again, I said turn over to Psalm 86. We're going to be starting in verse 5. Psalm 86, verse 5 says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Let me pause there just for a moment. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving. See, forgiving is not a bad thing. Forgiving is a good thing. It's a very good thing. Forgiving of of the grace and, and the things that we need from God, He freely gives to us. He is good at that. He is is loving. And so because of that, he gives to us. But this verse says that for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. See, actually, last week we spoke about love and the limitless love that Jesus has and God has for us. We could have easily thrown in forgiveness into that idea of love because God loves us so much so that he forgives us of our sins. But it is abounding. In his abounding love, he forgives. In his love that he has for you and I, he forgives. Our shortcomings, our shortfallings, the things that we mess up on. But there's an interesting, the end of this verse is very interesting. 
the end of this verse says, abounding in steadfast love to all who do what? Call upon you or call upon the Lord. See, there's an interesting idea here that we must grasp a hold of in all of these verses, and it is that we must first receive the forgiveness of God. We must call upon Him. We must ask Him to come into our heart and to forgive us for these things. And we'll go on here in a moment, but that is called confess, confession. Now, I'm not talking about the confession that most people think of. When you hear of confession time, they think of the priest, and they think of someone coming into this nice little... Listen, that... I was raised, for those that don't know, I was raised Catholic. And so um, at a very young age, I remember going into my first confession. And I got to tell you, I was scared witless is the best way to say this. I walked in and the priest goes, what would you like to confess? I don't know. I'm 12 years old. What am I supposed to confess? And they began to tell me and he began to work with me and talk to me about doing these types of things and what it means to to ask for forgiveness and confession and those types of things. And it wasn't until later on in my life when I came to know the Lord that I'm like, thank Lord, I can go directly to him and ask him and confess my sins to him. I don't need to stand before a priest or in a confessional and ask him for my forgiveness. I can go to the Lord himself. But it all goes upon those who call upon the Lord. Let's turn over to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 86 said that God is abounding in love and he has all of this forgiveness that he wants to give. And it is by us when we call upon his name that he will freely give to us that forgiveness. When we then turn over to 1 John and chapter 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The very first step in understanding forgiveness and understanding what it takes to be forgiven by a God who has limitless forgiveness is that we must come and place ourselves before him. We must position ourselves in the right place, understanding that we are sinners and that we need that forgiveness. Now, many people will just simply say, I don't, I I had a good week. I didn't cuss. I didn't steal. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I know some of you guys just rolled your eyes as soon as I said a couple of those, right? You're like, oh boy, here we go. I didn't tell the person off that cut in front of me when I, when they pulled out in the red light and I didn't do this and I didn't, you know, I did all of these things. I I had a good week. Pastor, you don't understand. I'm okay. Well, the truth of the matter is we're not. (laughs) Because oftentimes forgive, the need for forgiveness doesn't just come by things that we say. It doesn't just come by actions that we take. It doesn't come by things that we do with our hands. Sometimes it comes in the form of what we do and think in our minds. When we position ourselves in the wrong place, when we position ourselves as God of our life, 
saying that I want to do this, and so therefore I'm going to do this, instead of asking and seeking God and what his plans are for our life, we position ourselves above God in our lives, and so therefore we find ourselves, there is never a time when we don't need the forgiveness of God. That's what I'm trying to say. There's never a time in your life, there's never a week, no matter how good of a week you've had, there's never been a time in your life when you don't need the forgiveness of God. It is a constant 24-7 thing. We live in a sinful world and sin is abounding all around us. Even if you're not trying to sin, it is sometimes right there before us. The marketing of of the world around us makes it very easy for the eyes to lust and see things that they should not see. And yes, we should easily turn our mind from that and turn our eyes from that, but it does open up our eyes to these things. But it's not just that, it's also the thoughts that we think the things that we don't do that God has called us to do, the things that we do that God has asked us not to do. It's the things that we think about and we allow to populate our mind. Those are all things that we must seek his forgiveness for. Ultimately, the church calls these things sins. But what they really are is us distancing ourselves from God. Putting a vast void between us and God. God wants nothing more than to be with us, wants nothing more than to be right next to us. God wants nothing more than to be right with us in communion at all times. It is why Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what's the very first thing they did? They hid from God. Why? Because they were embarrassed. They were embarrassed of their nakedness, but they were also embarrassed by what they did. And so God wants to be in communion. He wants to be right next to you. He wants to be with you. He wants to follow you. And oftentimes what we do is we put that off to the side and say, God, I got this. I I can handle this. No thanks. Yes, I know you're God. Yes, you're the creator of the world. You created me and all the breath that I have in me, but I'm going to go out and I can do this on my own. Thanks. I got it. We distance ourselves by sinning. We distance ourselves by not following him. And so we have to find this process. We have to find this way of seeking the forgiveness that God has for us. What does it mean to actually do this? Well, in order that we are to receive the unlimited forgiveness that God has for you and I, we must learn to confess. Confession is not, again, like the way that I said it was back when I went to Catholic Church. We don't have to do that. We can instead go right to the Lord himself and ask him to forgive us of our sins. We can seek that forgiveness from him. But the act of confession, whether it's to a priest or whether it's to God himself, which we should, listen, you don't have to confess to me. You don't have to confess to a priest. You have to confess, you have to, confess to God. He is the one that you have separated your life from. He is the one that's going to make it about. Sometimes it's good to tell another brother or sister in terms of accountability, the sin that you have done, so that they can help you overcome those sins in your life. But ultimately, the forgiveness doesn't come from the pastor. The forgiveness comes from God himself. And so we need to seek him for that forgiveness. We need to ask him for that. But confession is more than just going to God and saying, listen, God, I messed up. Sorry. 
Right? Confession is literally positioning yourself in a proper place of saying, he is more important than me, and so therefore his ways are better than my ways, and therefore what I have done is I have messed up and I have done something I shouldn't have done, and so therefore I have to place myself at his feet and ask for forgiveness. Confession is a simple act of understanding not only that you are positioning yourself before God, but it's also the act of knowing that you messed up. <laughs> knowing that is part of the battle, right? Knowing that you've done something wrong. Listen, there's often times I go out and I'll do something, and I, 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 I'll be honest with you, even now, today as a pastor, I've been a Christian since I was 16 years old. I'm now 48 years old. You can do the math. I don't know how many years that is, but it seems like a lot. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Having said that, there are times in my life that I go out and I do something, I say something, I, I respond in a certain way to someone, or I do, and I just don't realize in the time that I have, I have done something that I shouldn't have done. And it isn't until later and I'm praying and God's little, knock, knock, Jason, do you remember when you said that to this person? That wasn't very nice of you. You remember when you did that? That wasn't right. And I'm like, oh, And thank God, and I truly mean that, thank God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon us and causes us to seek that forgiveness. Where we seek and we go after and we ask that person to forgive us, but we also ask the Lord to forgive us. We set before the Lord and we confess to him the things that we have done, the wrongs that we have done. Now, I will tell you that I used to, and I I am still trying in my prayer life, to, to ask the Lord, listen, Lord, I, I'm sorry for the wrong that I've done, either knowingly or unknowingly, right? Acts of, of actual action, things that you know you do, and then things that you may not realize that you've done. There's a difference between these two, but ultimately confession starts with positioning ourselves before the Lord and knowing that he is God, we have wronged, we have separated ourselves from him, and we want to overcome that separation. So therefore we ask and we seek and we go after that forgiveness that God has for you and I. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 39 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Of course, this is a time, if you don't recognize what's going on at this time, the apostles and the disciples were up in the upper room. The Holy Spirit has fallen upon them. They've left this room. They've gone out. They're now sharing with the community around them. The people around them think that they're drunk because they're speaking different languages. And so Peter stands up and says, It's it's only noon. We haven't been drinking. And he goes on to share this, and then Peter begins to preach to them, and when they, he begins to preach to them, there's an amazing thing that happens, and it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to their hearts. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter's answer is, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 says, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord of God calls to himself. These people in the city around Jerusalem are asking Peter and they're asking 
the disciples, what should they do? They've heard the message from Peter. They've heard this message that Peter has given to them, and something has struck deep inside their hearts. They've known that they've done something wrong. Somehow they've separated themselves from God, and so they know they have done something wrong, and they want to have this relationship with God. And so they ask Peter, what shall we do? Peter's answer is very clear. Peter's answer isn't, go off in faith and believe. That's not what Peter said. Peter's answer wasn't, go and sell everything you have and bring your money to the church. That's not what Peter said. Peter didn't tell them to donate all the time that you have to building houses in the community and doing all of those things. That's not what Peter said. Peter said, repent. That's the very first thing that Peter says to them. Repent. Now this word repent is so funny because I'm doing this sermon and and I strive not to use Christianese, right? I strive not to use those words because there's nothing wrong with those words, but sometimes I want to make sure that my messages, when I share with people, that they understand these messages and that you don't get stuck in the words, so to speak. But there's no other way to say this other than what Peter said. Peter says, repent. What is the word repent? What does repent mean? Well, it's really important that if you look at this word repent, you have to understand that the base word repent actually means to change. It means to turn around, to go in an opposite direction, to do something different than what you were doing before. So what Peter is telling these people is that you must repent before the Lord. That means stop doing what you were doing. Stop sinning, turn yourself away, and start doing something completely different. See, we often are good, Christians are often really good at asking for forgiveness, but they're not very good sometimes at repenting. It's easy to stand before and pray and be on your knees and say, Lord, please forgive me for what I have done. And then how many times do we get up off of our prayer time, that prayer closet, whatever, however you do your prayers, and then we turn around and we do the exact same thing that we just asked for forgiveness? Our language hasn't changed. Our actions haven't changed. Nothing has changed. It's all the same. We do the exact same thing that got us in that original position. Why do we do that? We do that because we're only seeking confession, forgiveness. We're only asking and we're not really changing. See, changing takes an action. Repenting means that you're going to actually have an action. You're going to do something different than what you have always done. You're not going to continue doing the same thing. So if you are having a problem, don't put yourself in the situation that causes you to fall into that problem. I say this all the time. If you're an alcoholic, don't put yourself in a place of where it's going to cause you to want to drink. If you're asking the Lord to forgive you for that sin, forgive you for that thing that you have done, don't put yourself in that same situation. If you're asking the Lord to forgive you because your eyes are lusting and you're looking at things on the TV or the computer that you should not be looking at, then why put yourself in that position? If it's better, get rid of the TV. Get rid of the computer. Do what you can. If you can't stay away from it, destroy those things and stay away from it. Why? Because it is better that we repent and we fall in the line with what God wants us to do than to live in a sin that's going to cause us and drag us down even further deeper. It isn't until we choose to change. It isn't until we decide, I'm no longer going to continue walking this way. I'm going to do everything. Repenting means that I'm going to do everything I can to stay away from there. And I'm going to go this direction to make those hard decisions, to cut out the things of our life that we need to do, to really walk away from those things. It's difficult. Don't get me wrong. I know it. 
But God calls us to that. God calls us to walk away from those positions, those people, those places that keep us doing the same thing that we have always done. You know, I think about this often in my business world life. I had this person that used to work for me. I won't give out names, but this person used to come in and the first time that I noticed this, this person came in 25 minutes late. We're a pretty open office, which means, you know, we're, we're comfortable. You can come and go just as long as you get your work done, right? Well, 25 minutes the first time, and, and I saw this person. I happened to be standing at the door, and he walked right past me, and he's like, I'm really sorry. I just, you know, I had bad traffic. I slept in. I did all of these things. I said, well, it's okay. You know, we all have days like that. It's fine. So he came in and he sits down and he does his work. Two days later, that 25 minutes turned into 35 minutes. And I saw him walk in and I didn't say anything. And I walked up to him later in the day and he goes, did you see me come in late? I said, yeah, I saw you come in late. He goes, I'm really sorry. It was just a bad morning again and all this other stuff happened. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now I'm beginning to think, okay, twice well, what had happened is over weeks and weeks and weeks, this continued to happen where actually by the third week he was coming in almost an hour late. And so I walked up to him and I said, listen, I said, we are very, very comfortable here and we're forgiving. <laughs> I said, but there becomes a time that if you're going to come in at nine o'clock instead of eight o'clock, then work until six o'clock instead of five o'clock. Fill those times. You can't continue to do that. Now, how many times would we as a boss allow that to continue happening over and over and over again? Eventually, you're going to get fired because you're showing up late. This is not much different. God's not going to fire you. He's not going to stand up and say, you're fired. No, uh, I think of Russell. Sorry. I think of Russell every time I hear that. But... Russell is this wonderful young man that uh, we have a, a relationship with. And, and one of the first things he says to you when you come up to him, he goes, you're fired. And it's uh, just, he says, it, yeah, anyway. Anytime he's mad, yeah, anytime he's mad at you, you're fired. But I think about this and I think for a moment, God's not going to fire us, but how many times do we sin and we don't actually change? It's no different than if you're coming and you're coming in late every day to work and you're asking for forgiveness every single time. How old does that get after a while? That gets really old. You get aggravated after a while. Why are you doing it? You just asked for an apology yesterday. It must really not made a difference because you didn't do anything different. You did the exact same thing. In fact, it's getting worse. How many times does God look at your sin and say, you're going to come to me and you're going to ask for forgiveness all this amount of time. You're going to continue asking for this thing, but you're not really changing. See, repenting means that you are actually going to change and you're going to do something different. God doesn't call us just to confess. He doesn't call us just to ask for forgiveness. He calls us to change as well. He calls us to go and do something different. That's why repenting is part of this process. That's why Peter said in his very first thing to the Men of the city and the the people that were listening to his messages, he first said, repent. Matthew 6, verse 9 through 15. Of course, we all know these verses. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, us this day our daily bread. Forgive us not our, forgive us our debts as we 
Forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Easy for me to say. But deliver us from evil. For if, verse 14 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, Jesus goes on to say, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I have to be honest with you for a moment. I I think that not only do we not confess to God, or we confess to God, we ask Him for our forgiveness, but oftentimes we don't really repent. We don't do what it takes to actually change. We get comfortable in our attitudes and our actions. We get comfortable. Unfortunately, I think a lot of times people get comfortable in their own sin, which is a bad thing. It's a bad place to be. But we get comfortable in doing those same things. We get familiarized with the things that we've always done, and we think that what we've always done is okay, and, and it doesn't matter because God's going to forgive me anyway. All I've got to do is make sure that I ask Him for forgiveness, and so I'm going to lay on my deathbed, and the day right before I die, I'm going to ask for forgiveness, and that'll be okay. Well, the truth of the matter is, by waiting to do that, what you've done is you've really given up a life of so much beauty and so much awesome things. Because by forgiving and and by asking for forgiveness and by repenting and turning away from your sin, where are you going to turn from? You're going to turn away from your sin and you're going to turn towards God. It's always better when we turn towards God. God's things that he has for you are so much better than what we could ever imagine or do. That's the verse that we started this whole series with, this limitlessness, exceedingly abundantly. God wants to do more to you than what you could ever think of. So when we wallow in our sin by choosing to do this all the time, God has exceedingly abundantly more if we would just turn, repent, and follow him. But it's not just us asking the Lord to forgive. And here's the rub, if you will. Forgiveness sometimes is based in our own mind and place. Jesus, in teaching the disciples how to pray, he says, he teaches them to pray, forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. What he's saying is that not only seek forgiveness from God, but then seek to freely give forgiveness to others as well. He's saying we must forgive others in our life. We must go and do that. And he doubles down at the end of this verse in verse 14. It says, for if you forgive others trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others the trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. Now this is a dangerous verse because what happens is that we are freely asking the Lord for forgiveness because who doesn't want to be forgiven from God because we want to be in God's right, in God's graces and His right place. But how often do we hold back on forgiving others because, well, let's be honest, they deserve that. They did something against me. They don't deserve my forgiveness. They did something that hurt my feelings. They did something that wasn't right, and so therefore I'm not going to forgive them. But when we don't forgive that other person, in Jesus' own words, he's telling us that we're withholding the forgiveness that he would have for us. And let me tell you something. If you're standing in a place where God is not forgiving you, you're in a really bad place. You're in a place you don't want to be. Take it from your pastor. Don't be in that place. That's not a place you want to be. You want to be in the good graces of forgiveness of God at all times. And so therefore, if God freely gives to us this forgiveness, then why don't we freely give it to others? Let's be honest. 
We freely seek the forgiveness from God all the time. God, I, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Please forgive me. Whether we repent or not is a different story, but we're freely asking the Lord for forgiveness and we're seeking this forgiveness. But then when someone's, someone does something wrong to us, there are wonderful, Jesus did a wonderful job of giving many parables on this. But we must learn to freely give that forgiveness to others. We must freely forgive others that have sinned against us or hurt us or done something that has caused us harm. And there's an action to this. There's a way of doing this. The reason why I I cannot talk about the unlimited forgiveness of God without talking about us needing to be unlimited, unlimiting, giving unlimited forgiveness to others. I had to think about that for a moment. If we read Matthew chapter 18, there's a process here. And there's a way of handling this. And it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. So let's pause there just for a moment. What this verse is saying What Jesus is telling us, this is Jesus' own words. He's giving us how to handle conflict in our life. He's giving us how do we handle these problems that rise up in our life. And you must understand this because if you're going to seek the forgiveness and receive the forgiveness from God, then you have to learn to give the forgiveness to others. If you don't, what you're going to do is you're going to be living in unforgiveness to others, which is going to cause you replicable harm. You're going to be You're going to be harmed from that. You're going to be in a bad mood. You're going to be mad at people. You're going to be offended at people. You're going to be, people are going to, you're going to look at someone and say, they just make me mad because I did this. But Jesus gives us the answer to this. If your brothers, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Listen, how often do we go, can you, Alicia, can you believe what Casey did to me? I can't believe that. No, Casey didn't do anything to me, right? I'm just using that as an example. But how many times do we do that? Someone does something against us, and the very first thing we do, instead of going to that brother or sister and telling them what they did, we go to someone else and tell them, or we go to many other people and tell them. We gossip. That's what that really is. I'm going to make that person look bad in the eyes of everyone else because of the way they hurt me. And so therefore, I have to go tell them. You should have heard what Pastor Chaz said on the, on the golf course the other day. <laughs> I wish we were on the golf course the other day, Pastor Chaz. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is that we don't go to our brother. Jesus says, go to your brother. Go to him who has sinned against you and tell him that you are offended. John Brevere wrote an amazing book. It is still one of the best books, and I love this book, and I often pull it off of my uh, my bookshelf to reread it often because it's called the bait of Satan and it really is true. Being offended, when someone offends you, it's the bait of Satan. Satan is trying to get you to take a hold of that bait because if you become offended, what happens? Listen, I see it all the time. Someone gets offended at someone else in church because someone did something and so instead of going to that person and saying, I've done this wrong, what do we do? We get offended and we get mad and we begin to talk about that person. And so what happens when we talk about that person? We get really irritated with them and so instead of coming to church, we're like, I don't want to go there because I'm irritated at that person. And so we don't go to church, we don't go to that person, we don't spend that time with that person, we don't work out the details and then before you know it, guess what? I got to leave church because I don't want to be with that person. Happens all the time. 
happens all the time. Over and over and over again in churches all across the world, this is happening. If you're offended by your brother or sister, go to them. Not in public, not with everyone else, but go to them and say, listen, you offended me. I'm mad. You made me angry. You said something that hurt my feelings. And ask them why. I believe that 90% of offenses are usually because it's a miscommunication somehow or another. And that if we would literally just go to our brother and sister and say, I have, I have an issue with what's going on, we could work out the miscommunication and be easily overcome that. Let's assume that you go to your brother and sister and they tell you, get lost. I didn't do anything wrong, which, by the way, has happened before and will probably happen again at some point. What does Jesus tell us to do? But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the witness of two or three witnesses. May be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So Jesus tells us that if our brother has offended us, then we should go to them individually on our own and talk to them. And if that doesn't work, then we come and we get someone else and say, come on, Chad, we got to go talk to Pastor Chaz because he said something on the golf course that really made me, he told me I wasn't a good golfer, by the way. No, he didn't. He would never say that. He'd make fun of my shots that I've made a few times, but that's okay because I give it back to him. So we have that relationship. But honestly, why don't we go to our brother? And so if that brother or sister doesn't listen, then go take someone with you. If you feel more comfortable, come get me. I'll go with you. And we'll have a conversation with that person. Why? Because we want to overcome the offense before it takes hold. We want to overtake this. And plus, none of us wants to live in unforgiveness. Jesus goes on, the very next verse, he says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if, he listen, and if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, before I go any further, those are some pretty nasty words there, right? Without saying it, those are some pretty nasty words. What Jesus is saying is that go to them with two or three people. If they don't ask and they don't seek and they don't understand how they were wronged and you can't overcome that issue, then he says, go to the church. That doesn't mean that you go to every single person in the church and you tell that person what they did. That means you go to the leadership of the church and let the leadership of the church handle that situation. And then the leadership of the church We'll have that conversation with that person. And if that person doesn't handle it at that point, then Jesus tells them, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, you have to understand Jewish history here for just a brief moment. What it means to be a Gentile to a Jewish church means that you are not welcomed because you're not circumcised. A tax collector was even worse. Now, Jesus came for all of the Gentiles But at that time, the Jewish church was not allowing Gentiles in. You couldn't go into the church unless you had Jewish background. And a tax collector was even worse. Jesus goes on to say, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I am I am more than ever. How can I say this? I am confident 
that oftentimes we have unanswered prayers in our life because we have unanswered forgiveness that we haven't given to others. Jesus not only tells us to seek forgiveness, but he says that if you have a problem with your brother, you're supposed to leave your gift on the altar. Go and do what's right with your brother or sister, and then you can come and give that gift. Now that was a big thing, because Jesus was telling them, don't sacrifice, don't do what's going to cause you to be healed, don't do this what's going to cause you to have your sins forgiven, but instead go to your brother and sister and work it out, and then you can come and bring the gift. Jesus is telling us that if we would just come together and forgive then things would be much better. How often could we undermine Satan and the poise that he has for us if we would just go to our brothers and sisters and say, this is what's going on? How much trouble could we save ourselves? How much peace could we give ourselves back if we would just do that? Jesus is calling us to go into this, the practice of forgiveness And not being offended means that we must go to our brothers and sisters and ask them for forgiveness. There's a practice here. There's a purpose. There's a way of getting this done, a way of doing what's right. But the question always comes up, Pastor, you just don't understand. How many times do I have to forgive someone? How many times do I have to? They keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. They keep saying the same words. They keep offending me in the same way, and I'm tired of this. Well, Peter has your answer for that. Peter goes and he says to the Lord, how many times, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? So Peter, Peter, (laughs) I love Peter, by the way, he's he's great, but he goes to the Lord and says, Lord, how many times should I forgive him? Seven times? That seems like a lot, right? What does Jesus answer him? Jesus says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, there's a lot of theological discussion on this, on whether 77 really means the number 77 times. Let me just say this. If you're counting how many times you have to forgive someone, you're in the wrong place and your heart's not in the right place. If you're going to someone and going, Pastor Chess, this is number 76, buddy. You know, one more time and we're going to have problems, right? we're, we're, We're dropping the gloves. Let's go. If you're counting how many times you have to forgive to someone, there's something wrong with your heart and it's not in the right place. Or there's something wrong with that person. (laughs) One of the two. But honestly, Jesus isn't talking about the amount of times because if you remember in his own words, what he said is that if you don't forgive others, then he won't forgive us. So whether it's 77 times or 777 times or 7,000 times or 7 million times, what does it matter? We need to walk in that forgiveness because it's not about forgiving someone else. I'm not worried about forgiving someone else. I'm worried about receiving the forgiveness that God has for me. That's what I'm more worried about. I'm not worried about going to my brother and sister. Listen, yeah, I can understand that if your brother and sister hurt you, you want them to apologize and you want to work out that offense. But at the end of the day, none of that really matters. What really matters is whether I'm being forgiven from God. And so therefore, I'm going to forgive. And oh, by the way, I don't have enough time to to really dive deep into this, but I just want to tell you, when you forgive someone when you let go of this from your heart, when you let go of that ugliness, that, that sin, that, that, that poison that's inside of you, that unforgiveness that you keep a hold of, when you let go of that and you say, here, what are you doing? What you're doing is you're really freeing that person up to receive what God does in their life. 
Because God says what? God says that it's not, it's, not our, uh, it's not our revenge that we should seek, right? It's God. God will revenge those who love him and who follow him. They will avenge, I should say. And not, the, not like uh, Captain America, Avengers type of deal, but avenge, meaning I will take out what I need to do. God did that over and over and over again. If you look at Old Testament, you look at New Testament, you look all across the Bible, you see where God took care of the situation. I just read in 2 Samuel this other day, I don't, I don't have this verse, but 2 Samuel the other day I was reading and, and David is in his last days of his, of his life and, and as he's sitting there in his last days of his life, there's a famine that falls upon the land and it's there for like three years. And David's like, what's going on, Lord? Where's this famine coming from? And he finds out that there's a small group of people, the Girgashites, by the way, and they are mad at Jerusalem, Israelite. They're mad at Israel because of what Saul did way before David was even king. And so they're standing on the mountains and they're cursing. <coughs> Excuse me. They're cursing Israel. And God says to them, until they're... See, Saul had made a promise to them that he would not attack them and would not kill them in the early days of, of his kingdom. Saul didn't follow that. In fact, he murdered almost every single one of that family, and those Skirgishites. He took care of them. And so until David made it right, that famine continued happening. But when David made it right, the famine ended. I won't give away the punchline. Go find out how David made it right. It's not fun. <laughs> The point that I'm trying to make here, though, is listen. We must not hold back on the forgiveness that we want to offer to others. We must give that forgiveness freely to others because God wants to freely give that forgiveness to us. Stop hanging on to that forgiveness. Stop counting how many times you're going to forgive someone because the real question is how many times you want to be forgiven from the Lord. I want an unlimited amount of forgiveness from my God. I don't want there to be a number. I don't want to get up and Jay said, this is God. You're at number 73. I don't want that. I don't want number 73 knowing what <laughs> Corey just made me mad because he picked the wrong song and oh great, Corey, I can't believe you did that. 74. Listen, we shouldn't be in the number counting business because we want the forgiveness of God freely. Forgiveness is all about positioning yourself in the eyes of the Lord, calling upon him, knowing that you are in a place that you should have never been, but knowing that you need to position yourself before him and you want to remove that gap, that void that's between you and him. And asking for that forgiveness, Lord, please forgive me for my sins. But then knowing that if you haven't forgiven a brother or sister, if you have had someone that offended you, then there's probably a problem. You should probably wait and go and take care of that unforgiveness with that brother or sister. Then come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Not only am I sorry because I didn't ask for forgiveness over here, but I'm also asking and I didn't give forgiveness over here. Now I've taken care of that. Can I take care of my sin that I have with you now? See, we're quick to do those things. We're quick to ask the Lord for forgiveness, but are we quick to seek forgiveness from others and to give forgiveness to others? Will you stand with me, please?
was once said that unforgiveness kept in one's heart is a poison pill that we take that was deserved for that other person. And until we seek, until we give that forgiveness, we continue to sip on that poison. Unforgiveness, offenses that are built in one's heart will cause you to do things that you should have never done. It'll cause you to be mad at your brothers and sisters. It'll, be ca- it'll cause you to separate yourself even further from God. And so we need to learn to give the unlimited forgiveness that God gives to us to others. But that unlimited forgiveness doesn't just come by us simply asking. Forgiveness doesn't, isn't just for asking. Forgiveness is asking and then repenting and changing our ways. Does that mean we'll be perfect all the time? No. That's why the unlimited forgiveness of God is so important. Because I know what I'm going to mess up. There are things in my life, I'll be honest with you as a pastor, there are sins in my life that I constantly mess up. And I'm still working on them. But I'm thankful that I can go to God and say, God, forgive me. I've been here before. You know what? I've asked you the same prayer before. And Lord, I'm trying to repent. I'm trying to turn away from that. I'm trying to transform my mind and my thinking so that I'm doing something different, but yet I still slip up. And so I need that unlimited forgiveness. I thank God that I can ask him for that. But that means I also have to freely give that to others, to our family members, to the people that we go to church with to our friends, to our co-workers, to those that may not even deserve our forgiveness, we should still give that forgiveness because it holds us back. It doesn't hold them back. It holds us back. So today, what I want to encourage you is just let, let your mind be spoken to by the Lord. During worship, just simply ask Him, Father, is there someone in my life that I have not given forgiveness to? Is there someone that I need to go to one-on-one as a brother and sister or a brother and brother, sister and sister, brother, sister, whatever it is, one-on-one to just ask for that forgiveness? Am I offended? Is there someone, is there something someone did to me that offended me so great that I'm just hanging on to that anger? Let me go to that brother and sister and ask them for forgiveness. Why? Because that's what God does. Can you ask for that today? Can you seek for that today? Let's pray. Father, you are such a good, good God. We don't deserve the forgiveness that you give to us, but it is called grace and you freely give it to us anyway. And we're so appreciative of that, Father. Lord, help us today to not only seek the forgiveness that you have for us, but to turn away from the sin that constantly plagues our life, that constantly calls us and pulls us down to the ugly places in our life that we should never be in. Lord, we also pray and ask you that you would forgive us for not forgiving others. Even right now, Father, I believe in the hearts of the people that are either watching online at home or here with us today, there is some offenses that have been had that are building up, that have been building up, and they need to be taken care of today. And so, Father, I pray in your glorious and holy name, will you just prod, poke, encourage that person to go to their brother and sister and to share what it is that offended them so that they can work out those details and that we can seek the forgiveness that only you will give. Father, because honestly, Jesus, you you said to us that if we don't forgive others, you won't forgive us. 
Lord, we desperately need your forgiveness because we are sinners. So Lord, help us today. Call to our mind. Let this be a a time of redemption, Father, a time when we can go to our brothers and sisters. Let me just encourage you, even as you're praying right now, if your brother and sister is in this room right now, go to them and seek that forgiveness. Go to them and tell them that you're offended. Work it out. If your brother and sister isn't in this room and they're somewhere else, maybe a family member, give them a call this afternoon. Don't wait. The devil wants you to wait. He wants to just continue to take over your life and continue to feed that bait to you so you continue to take that trap. Don't do it. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We ask you today in your most precious and holy name, help us. Lord, we know that you are king. You are Lord of our lives. And we need your forgiveness more than ever. Help us today. In Jesus' name. Man, let's worship together. to my knees with a hammer in my hand you look at me I'm so open forgiven forgiven child there is freedom from all of it say goodbye I've done things I wish I hadn't done I've seen things I wish I hadn't seen Just the thought of your amazing grace. And I cry, Jesus, forgive me. God, I fall down to my knees with the hammer in my hand. You look at me, arms open. I could have been six feet under 
I couldn't have been lost forever. I should be in that fire. But now there's fire inside of me. Here I am, a dead man walking. No grace gonna hold God's people. All the weight of all our evil. Lifted away forever free. Who could believe? Who could believe? Forgiven. Forgiven. Oh, love me even when I don't deserve it. Forgiven. I'm forgiven. Jesus, your blood makes me innocent. I'll say goodbye to every sin. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Yes, Lord, we are forgiven because of your grace and your love. We love you so much, Father, and we know, I know that maybe some in this room that have, or watching us online have never given their life to Christ before, have never asked for that forgiveness. So right here, right now, as Romans 10 verse 9 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we seek the forgiveness of Him, that He will be sure to come and give us eternal life. It's by confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart what Jesus did that we can have everlasting eternal life. So if you're here today and you've never done that, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. What you did on that cross is more than enough to pay for the penalty of my sin. And I thank you for that. I ask you to be my king and my savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we ask you, even before we leave here today, one more time, Father, just... Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Speak to our hearts and our minds. And as you bring up these examples of people in our minds and our hearts, of those that we need to go out and and seek forgiveness and, and deal with the offenses that our brother or sister may have done with us, will you guide us and be with us? Help us, Father. I believe today that there are some redeeming characteristics, some redeeming things that the Lord wants to do in our midst but we have to deal with these offenses and deal with these things that are in our hearts first. So help us today, Father, to do those things, to seek that forgiveness of others, to share when we are offended with others so that we can be forgiven by you. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you have done. Lord, I pray that you would go with each and every one of us as we prepare to leave this place. Walk with us. Give us the words and the wisdom to be your children, your hands and feet on this earth. And may we see many people come to know the Lord. May we see many people in your kingdom of God, Father, because we are following you and doing what you've called us to do. Be glorified through our actions, our words, and our thoughts, Father. Send us forth from this place a continual blessing that can only come from you as we walk in you. We glorify you, we honor you, we praise you now in Jesus' most precious and holy name.
Amen. God bless you all. It's wonderful seeing you. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Any prayer requests, you can still feel free to come up. We'd love to have a chance to pray with you. God bless.